Testing one, two. Testing one, two. Testing one, two, three, and we are a go. get started here welcome to another episode of the lonely heart sports podcast sorry we were not uh we did not record an episode last week you know we've mentioned multiple times this is pretty much our second hobby our our side gig here uh so life just happened but we are back this week we've got a lot to talk about um and let's just get right into it we'll start with our first topic and we'll talk about the bmw championship uh that happened this past weekend and bryson DeChambeau practically blowing it once again and couldn't get the job done i'll have you take it away sir so yeah i mean another this is probably the most fun golf tournament of the year um but outside of majors in my opinion just based on how it finished they had to play uh six playoff holes to decide who was going to be the winner of the golf tournament. And Patrick Cantlay ended up coming up over top of Bryson DeChambeau. Um, both of the guys, they were in the last pairing on Sunday. So they were clearly two in the league going into the last day. But um, no, I mean, the six playoff holes, I mean, there was so many times where it looked like DeChambeau could have won it. And then he missed like five foot putts, which is weird because if you look at strokes gained putting, um, he was in second place for the whole tournament. Um, but yet, when it came down to having to make the putts, he was missing five footers for birdies that gave Cantlay a chance to come in and get uh, to just tie the hole and go on to the next playoff hole. Um, in my opinion, they definitely do need a new format for how they play the playoff holes. Like they go 18, 18, 17, 18, 18, 17. I think they need to change it up and put other holes in play there just because it. you, you have two guys who are clearly playing well in the hole. And if, the, if pro golfers, if they keep seeing the hole enough, they're going to know what to do. And so they need to change that up. But no, it's always nice to see Bryson DeChambeau uh, kind of fall apart. I mean, it, it's stuff most people love to see. Not many people can stand the guy. Um, he's he's just a weirdo. I mean, if you caught on a – I think it was on the first or second playoff hole when he bombed his drive out there, he started whistling to himself after he hit the drive. Um, I don't know if, how many people actually caught that, but he started whistling to himself. Um, and then on – this was before the playoff happened, but when him and Cantlay uh, being the last pair, they were told to speed up a little bit. So oh, I Pat- know exactly what yeah, you're going so Patrick into Patrick Cantlay hits his ball. Clearly, these guys are pro golfers, so they know golf etiquette and everything. So Cantlay hits his ball because he was further away than Bryce. I mean, just because Bryson this weekend did have a really nice drive. We'll give him this driving the ball. I mean, he can't. Patrick Cantlay carries his drive about 300 yards which is still a lot. He's carrying at 300. Say we roll into around like 315 area. Bryson DeChambeau was out driving everyone in the field by 30 to 50 yards. Um, so clearly it's going to pose for a good score for him, especially at a at a uh, golf course like Caves Valley where they had played, which isn't the hardest course as we saw considering the two guys came in at minus 27 uh, going into the playoffs or playoff hole. But um. Yeah, so on it's either twelve or thirteen. Patrick Cantlay starts walking um, after he hits a shot, and uh, so Bryson DeChambeau, for some reason, I don't know why he just didn't step off. Like clearly, he's a pro golfer, so he knows when he's going to get distracted. So just step off and give him a look. But no, on national television, you can perfectly hear this. 
Bryson DeChambeau backs up a shot, goes, Patrick, stop walking. Yeah. Like, I, as yeah. if he's some like little kid or like a drunk guy in the crowd just being obnoxious. Like Patrick Cantley's just walking. Clearly, all you have to do is just step off. Cantley would see you stepped up and he would stop walking, realize what he's doing. Exactly. You don't have to, don't have to call him out in front of on national television acting like he's some <laughs> some little dweeb just trying to mess you up like hell. Like I I I mean I get if this was like the third or fourth time I'd get to say something, but not the first time. Oh, I, I do you mind if I interject real quick in oh, here? <laughs> I find I find this funny because like uh, funny in a bad way because the thing is though is like you know Bryson is a baby. We all know Bryson's a baby. I mean, going back to um uh, the whole Brooks Kepka rivalry thing, there were Brooks fans that were calling Bryson Brooksy, and he complained and whined and cried wolf about that. Um, uh, so obviously, this isn't the first time that Bryson DeChambeau has made a big deal about something that's so minuscule. Um, uh, but the, I, I just found it funny because the, even the announcers were baffled. They're like, because uh, they were trying to figure out what he said. And he's like, Patrick, stop, uh, Patrick, stop whistling or whatever. And then they realized they said, Patrick, stop walking. And I'm like, oh my God. I, like, I, that's, that's my first thing when I heard it. I was like, I was like, did he just say what I like? I was like, did he just say what I think he said? I'm like, there's no way. And then the announcers had brought her up that he actually said, I'm like, there's, I was baffled that he just said uh, that. Like, I was, I was, we were, I mean, like, I was baffled, but at the same time, I was dying because, like, yeah, yeah, you don't, he was kind of like, you know, like you said, you know, it's the first time and Cantley, like, was just, because, like you said, Cantley was like, what, 50 yards back. So, of course, like, he's going to start taking his steps up. But the thing is, though, is how, if, if you're out of sight and out of mind, like, yeah, take a little, take a little walk. If you find, take a little walk, start walking up a little bit. I mean, like, I do it on the golf course. I mean, like, I, you know, and if I see that there's, I mean, obviously, like, if I see that they're getting ready to make their shot, yeah, I'll stop. But, like, you, if you feel like you're being distracted because you can hear somebody walking, like then yeah, step back and then like you know just like just like written you know give the sign or that like hey like I'm getting ready to shoot here and then Patrick Cantley would realize that he didn't need, he didn't need to call Cantley out on national television in front of how many thousands uh, at home watching. And then also at the same time, like people just being observant on the whole too. They're probably all like, what the hell am I, you know? But I mean, like, I, I really couldn't believe it. I was extremely baffled by, by it. Um, uh, but like I said, baffled, like in a funny way, but at the same time, like it was funny in a bad way. Cause that's really something that you really don't expect to see or experience at a uh, PGA tournament. Um, but the thing is, though, with how the whole this whole bright like with how everything has been going um, uh, with Bryson DeChambeau over the past few months, like it kind of may have been expected at this point. Like, you know, if he, first he goes at the fans, then he goes, then him and Brooks Kepka, obviously, with their rivalry, I it, I it wouldn't have been surprising to me at some point where he would just like kind of nonchalantly like get upset over something so stupid at another uh professional golfer and just, Patrick Cantley just happened to be that guy. Exactly. Um, he, it seems like with uh, Bryson, he just can't get out of his own way when it comes to his image. It seems like he's just always step, tripping over his own feet and making himself look like the bad person, which he, uh, he is to most people, even tour players. I mean, clearly like how are people going to be able to play with this guy come Ryder cup time? But um, after the, I want to, I want to jump to after the, Round real fast. Just so after he was walk, clearly he's walking off after a loss. Clearly he's upset. 
And I, I'm actually on Bryson's side about this, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be soft here for a second. I know I don't take his side a lot. But as he's walking past, um, uh, clearly upset about the loss already and stuff, he walks past the people, and as he's passing, like, he's probably 10, 15 feet ahead of the people. Um, a guy goes, nice job this weekend, Brooksy. Um, clearly, like, people have been calling him Brooksy. I am kind of on the side now where, like, it might be overdone. And so the fact that, like, clearly, like, he didn't find it funny the first time he has, like, it's been said to him hundreds of times now, and it's not making anything better for him or the people. Um, and so he, so uh, Bryson turns back around and says, get the fuck out of here to the guy. And I thought for a second he was going to go fight the guy. Um, I was on his side about that because, like, I'm all for heckling us up in sports. But, but I the mean, thing like, is, though, it, yeah, there's a time, there's a time and place, especially exactly. like after he's walking, like he's past you already. Um, you shouldn't have to worry about it, saying that. So Bryce turns out to get the fuck out of here. And now the PGA came up with a rule, basically saying you can't say that to him anymore, Brooksy, to him, or else you will be kicked out. They finally made that official statement, um, which I mean, I get it. Let's start calling him steroid boy or something, something funny. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm going like. Before we go back into like talking about the actual tournament, I do want to like I do want to talk about like how I I do agree with you there. I mean, the thing is though is like there is a time and a place for everything, and obviously, um, uh, for a later topic in the well in the pod uh, in the recording of this podcast episode, we'll talk about heckling and fans and fan and reaction to that within another situation. Um, uh, but the thing is though is like with how the whole. Bryson versus the fans thing. They're calling him Brooksy and everything. Like, that's uh, like, honestly, I had never seen any toys sort of heckling like this. It's at a professional golfer probably ever in my life. Uh, so, like, when this whole thing started because of the Brooks uh, and Bryson rivalry, I was kind of baffled. But at the same time, like, I found it hilariously good for golf because this is something that, like, you don't experience on a golf course. It's more along the lines of, like, you know, and we've mentioned this on the podcast previously. You see it, like, at a basketball game or at a soccer match or even a baseball game. Um, uh, and actually, like, any team sport for the most part. So even the NFL or NHL there. But like you said, there's a time and a place for everything. And this guy just kind of, this guy, like, he thought it was funny, but it wasn't funny because obviously, like, you need to, you need to realize that, like, at the spur of the moment, like, yeah, you think it's great, but he just came off of a bad loss where he was dominating the tournament for the most part up until the final, up until the back nine, uh, literally the final few holes of the tournament. And he just completely bottled it and collapsed. And obviously he's mad at himself. He's mad that he lost. A fan, a fan says that to him. Of course, I'm. Of course, like Bryson DeChambeau is gonna be pissed. And I mean, like, I don't blame him for being. Right, at the end of the day, because... he's, a, he's a competitor. At the end of the day, so I mean, we've all, all of us have. Well, not only you played sports. I'm sure most of the people listening to our podcast have played sports. You know, after a loss is when, especially like a close loss, is when you're like at your most, like that height. You can be just snap on anything. So there's a time yeah, and exactly. a place for. Um, I'll let you continue. Then I want to jump in on uh, the rule the PGA made, though. Yeah. Well, my thing is too is like obviously like you know, and we'll go more in depth about this when we talk about the other uh, other incident incident regarding fans and like you know how they treat players and heckling and whatnot too, and responds to them. But the thing is though is like, and I'll reiterate this later, but athletes are human beings too. 
Yes, you're there to go cheer on your favorite athlete. Yes, you're there to go. Yeah, you want to heckle the opposing, like somebody you don't like or whatever. But at the end, at the end of the day, like you know, yes, heckling is. I'm not. I'm not saying that heckling is bad because it happens everywhere, and I'm not. And and I mean, I've done it myself too. But at the same time, like, just watch like how you heckle and when you heckle, because obviously, at the end of the day, like you know that guy, like I said. You know, thought it was funny then. Turned out not to be great. Bryson wanted to fight. Bryson probably should. If it wasn't for a fact that, like, you know, if he wasn't a professional athlete, like after a, after a tournament, like Bryson DeChambeau probably would fight fought that guy and probably could have kicked his ass, honestly. But at the same time, like I said, you know, uh, heckling it happens. Just watch how you do it and when you do it, because you know, you never know like when the person is going to snap eventually. I mean, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll go into that new rule now, and then, yeah, we'll just continue from there now. Right. Um. No, but that rule, I think, I mean, I, I don't get, like, I, I'm pro golfers have been called names all the time, so I don't get why they have to throw in this rule now for Bryson. I know I took a side about the guy calling him in, calling him after the round. But, like, if you want to yell Brooksy after, like, a shot, like, it should be fine. Like you should, if you're a pro athlete, you need to know like to be. You're gonna be heckled. You're that's why you're paid millions of dollars for a reason. I mean, you people get booed all the time in other sports. Exactly. People get exactly. called shit all the other time in all the other sports. Um, as long as like you're not touching the competitors or like throwing stuff at them. Yeah. Or, like, any like just causing any harm to them in any way, you should be able to do whatever you want to the athletes. I get they are human beings. But they're also human but beings who are making a lot more. Yeah, there's human beings. They're human beings that are making a lot more than the average person because they're playing a sport, and that is what comes with playing the sport is the heckling. Yeah, and if, but what I'm saying is, is like there's a time and a place. Obviously, obviously, I'm not against heckling as I just said, but at the same time, like you gotta want like just just be mindful of how when and how you're doing it. Obviously, yeah, you want to call somebody Brooksy, go right ahead. I'm not condoning, though, say, like, the jackass Yankee fan that threw a baseball at Alex Verdugo a few weeks back when the Yankees played at the, played against the Red Sox. That was completely asinine. Yeah. Like, you don't throw a base. You're not going to – you're not going to get a – you're not going to throw a baseball at somebody at, at, at an opposing player's head uh, because, obviously, you're going to be – because, obviously, like, there are repercussions to that, and that guy eventually did get banned from uh, all 30 – uh, all of the uh, ballparks in um, uh, Major League Baseball. So that person's never going to be able to see a baseball game in person for the rest of their life. Um, uh, but the thing is, though, is like, yeah, uh, if he were the, if you want to call like, if you want to, if you want to call Brooks Bryson, if you want to call Bryson Brooksy, if you want to do, like, yeah, that's fine. Just don't be stupid about it, uh, and 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 whatnot. But I under, I get what you're saying there about the rule. I think that the rule is stupid too. Honestly, I mean, there has been some backlash on social media about it too, which I mean that makes complete complete sense. But I just want to go back and talk about how the actual tournament like ended up because like you before we got into this, like you had mentioned like you know Bryson's putting, like you know. He he was actually doing pretty well for putting, but then at the when going back to going like towards the end of like the final round, like he just all of a sudden lost his putting touch. I mean, there were chances where he should have won it in regulation, and he probably should have won it on seventeen and eighteen. Couldn't put there, and then like in the playoff hole and the playoff holes, like well, him and Cantley actually couldn't make putts on 
that either of them couldn't make putts, honestly, because the thing well, is, though, is like, uh, uh, Bryson was leaving himself five footers, whereas Cantley wasn't hitting his irons in very well. And he was leaving himself 15, 20 foot putts that are breaking. So they're not going to be easy to make clearly. I get he made that long line on 18 to force the playoff. But I mean, those putts are very, not very makeable. So him two putting is fine. He did what he needed to do. It's the fact that Bryson just can't. You're a pro golfer and can't tap in a five-foot putt. I mean, I, I get it's tough and the nerves are high, but, I mean, come on. The, oh, you I had just, so many chances to close out this tournament oh, and yeah. you couldn't do it. He should have won it in regulation. It shouldn't have even gone to a playoff. And then how? And then what? It should have been over after, like, anywhere between the third and fifth playoff hole because he had five-foot putters. And That's not for leave. sure. On the first playoff hole, when he, I think that was when he did the club twirl. After he hit it, he dropped it right behind the pin and rolled back. He left himself a five footer, and Catley was down the ridge where he had to get over the ridge, and then it was going to roll. It was hitting. Yeah, because he had the that tough is... putt, and he's all he was just putting, hoping on saving two. To be honest, there and Bryson just really had a tap in there, and he can't tap it in. No, he I mean, couldn't it tap was, it in. He couldn't he tap. He was missed like none of his putts even looked close in the. Well, the playoff. one hit the lip. One hit the lip at the, the top. The, the first one, hit, the first one hit the lip, and then after that, he wasn't even close. I thought, no, he hit the lip on the third one, too. But, yeah, that wasn't a close. Uh, he got lucky to hit the lip. It was, like, the outside of the lip. Yeah, he hit the outside of the lip, and it went out. But the thing is, though, is, like, I thought, like, you know, it hits the lip and whatnot. It's like, I don't know, like, this, this should have been over. But the thing is, though, nonetheless, I mean, he lost. Cantley won. Uh, they'll go into the Tour Championship. Uh, Cantley will have that minus 10. Bryson will have minus 7, though, even though he finished in second, which I find. I thought Bryson right. was minus 8. No, I thought I checked my app and it said Bryson was minus seven. Oh, you might be right. Yeah. Um, uh, but, uh, I mean, yeah, you want to talk about how the uh, – I'm going to agree with you there about the playoff holes. I mean, I, I did not – I did not, like, find that, like – because they played 18 two in a row, then they played 17, then they went back to 18. And I'm just like, can we go to a different hole? Because yeah, they got to they gotta do something new with that format. Like, don't go back to your old format where – the use that to go back on Monday and play a whole nother 18. Like uh, playoff holes are fine. I think go back to play, nine at least. I think you should. Yeah. I think I mean, go, time. go back, go to, back to 10. Yeah. Go back to 10. Either just do 10 through 18. If you don't have a winner, then go nine or go one through nine, whatever. Just don't make them play the same or even just play like, yeah. I mean, I, there's got to be an easier way. Like no one wants to see the same holes over and over and over again. It, it gets boring and there could definitely be a better way they could figure that out. Well, I mean, the PGA definitely has a few things to, like, figure out themselves. I mean, obviously, like, you know. Like this minus, like, can't like starting at minus 10. Yeah, that, that's a whole nother I think thing. The most, I think the most you should have, like, starting him at, like, minus 5, then, like, the guys, like. Minus 4, The guys first through 4, or first through fish is to go minus 5, minus 4, minus 3, minus 2, minus 1. Everyone else should be even. So that way, that way it makes the guys that are sitting down the third, because, I mean. Don't get me wrong. Like, if you're the th- you're you're considered like the thirty top thirty golfers in the world, you you're playing as the top guys, and like the guys sitting even. It's like the only thing Cantley can't do is just completely fuck up. Like Cantley could play just like Cantley could probably shoot for minus four a day and win this tournament. Not exactly with his lead that he has. Yeah, exactly, because he'll finish at minus 14 if he just shoots minus four, and everybody else will just have to, like, golf out of their minds, which is insane. I mean, I, I mean, like, I, I uh, honestly, because the thing is, though, is, like, these are professional golfers, 
And obviously a lot of factors play into it. Like I wouldn't be surprised if somebody actually golfed out of their minds, like just comes out of nowhere uh, to uh, try to actually come close. But the thing is though, is like, I agree with you there. Like, me personally, I wish everybody would just start like a normal tournament and like, you know, I don't, it doesn't matter what your positioning is and in the, in the standings, like before the tournament for the playoffs, but just start it even and, you know, have a regular tournament. But if they were to keep like this current format in some sort of modified version, I agree with you. Minus five, minus four, minus three, minus two, minus one. And then everybody else is even all the way down. Like I don't mind starting at minus 10 for the leader um, uh, and then going all the way down. Like it's completely asinine. I'm not, I'm not a fan of that there. So obviously there's a couple of things there that the PGA should probably work on in the, they really need to like sit down. Whoever's like in, in charge of like how they manage everything, like the board of directors or like whatever um, uh, or the commissioner or whoever, you know, just need to sit down. They need to actually discuss this. They also need to discuss how the playoff holes are done too, because obviously like it does get annoyed. It, it, it has gotten annoying seeing like them at the same playoff holes. Um, uh, and at the same, and also with how the tour, the tour championship will start up in a few days, like no, tomorrow. tomorrow, tomorrow, start up this week, tomorrow to be exact. Like, it's just crazy. Like, I mean, the only way I see like any of them like bot like losing is if they bottle like where they start at and all of a sudden find themselves at even at the end of the right. day. What they should do if they're that worried about like where you finish with the FedEx Cup points throughout the season, if you're that worried about like the points and how people should be in, do the top fifteen guys and then have everyone start even. I think that'd be the most fair way to do it. If you were kind of looking at like if if you want that much of an emphasis on the FedEx Cup points. Clearly, like, yes, do with your, like, top 75 and then the top 50, but then go top 15. Yeah, because they have the top, or, excuse like, me, top Yeah, they have top 30 right now. And a, a simple fix to not having anyone start minus 10, just have the top 15 guys if you're there. Like, and then clearly, everybody stops clearly, they, clearly, every, like, clearly, PJ puts an emphasis on their uh, for the FedEx Cup points because they try to make this out to be the big – I mean, I don't know if you saw Justin Thomas's comments today about it. But he said that they make this tournament too big a deal where it's basically impossible if you're not like the top three guys, top five guys in this tournament to win. Exactly. Because the thing is, though, is like the FedEx Cup playoffs, like they close out the PGA season, as everybody all knows. If you follow golf, if you don't follow golf, yeah, they close out the PGA season there. Um, so obviously the, the PGA wants to put an emphasis on the FedEx Cup playoffs. Um, uh, because honestly, like when you look at the golf calendar and we've talked about this many of times, you have the four majors, you've got the players, you've got like, you know, um, uh, you've got, uh, some, my, you've got like minor tournaments that like have emphasis on what, on, what, on their relevance. Uh, then you've got the FedEx cup playoffs at the end of the season. And then of course, like at the end of like every, at the end of the year, you either have the Ryder cup, like you do this year. Or you have the President's Cup, which will take place next year in 2020. Yeah. Speaking, take... of, uh, speaking of Ryder Cup, real fast, before I cut in, uh, Phil Mickelson got selected as the uh, vice captain. Yes, I did see that. Um, uh, I did see that. Good for Phil. Good for Phil. Um, uh, like to see that. Um, ah, Ryder Cup, Ryder Cup. See, I feel like a lot of golfers um, uh, emphasize some uh, – I feel like a lot of golfers actually emphasize their um, uh, 
importance of the Ryder Cup or President's Cup more than they do probably the FedEx Cup, in my opinion. I, I completely um, agree with you. I mean, everyone that talks about the Ryder Cup or the President's Cup, like, say, especially the U.S. guys, say they love representing the team and love playing in this tournament, even though Team USA has to figure shit out when it comes to the Ryder Cup. Um, but everyone enjoys going to this tournament because they can – yes, it is – clearly they want to win – but they can also go relax and enjoy themselves because some days they might not have to play and they can just have a good time with their uh, their buddies. And it's just a, a fun tournament to watch. I think golf should definitely have more team-matted, uh, team-formatted tournaments because there's only really one throughout the year if you don't count the Ryder Cup or President's Cup. No, yeah, exactly. You just get the Dell match play once a year, really. Exactly. I, I agree with you there, honestly. I mean, maybe have like one or two more, honestly. Uh, prof, you know, and, ha- and have them spread out. Right. Honestly. Clearly, clearly, one doesn't deserve to be a like they don't deserve to be a major. These team play ones, but I mean, it's just fun for like people to watch. Like when you get to go see uh, the Dell match play, you get to see match play two days, and you get to see just best ball two days. So guys just get to golf normally, but that team aspect and it just makes it more fun for the guys. I feel and they can kind of relax a little bit. Exactly. Exactly. I wholeheartedly agree with you, which is, but which is probably another reason why, like these exhibition matches that like Capital One puts together with like professional golfers and then like other athletes or celebrities or whatever, like they've been going on um, uh, since uh, Tiger and Phil did their first of the match, like a few years back. Uh, obviously, like it kind of adds like the. Uh, interest of match play in general in golf i mean the thing is though is maybe you see you should maybe the pga should take into effect like take it into effect like and take a look at like how successful that's been even though like it's not actual like golfers like you have to you have like actual professional golfers from the pga there um uh, and then of course like a random like athlete or whatever but the thing is sorry go ahead yeah but the thing is though is like if you have like if you see the success that that brings and yeah, of course, like there's a winner, but like, you know, you don't get a prize or anything for it. Um, uh, maybe the PGA should uh, take into, like I said, take a look at that, see how successful it is. And like, and, you know, add uh, a couple two at least like one or two more match play tournaments um, into the schedule, um, you know, and just have those team-based events, uh, team-based tournaments there. Uh, because I, you know, it, it it would add some intrigue to the schedule, honestly. It would. I mean, I mean, look at next this coming Tuesday. You got. Um, I know this isn't clearly broadcasted by major golf out outlets, but uh, this coming Tuesday, uh, Dave Portnoy is playing Brooks Kepka. Uh, Brooks Kepka playing opposite hand. He's shooting lefty in a match, and I think that's going to be so fun to watch. Like just yeah, even just those two going up again, like fun stuff like that. Because golf, really, they've been so much better with growing the game. But, like, if they want to get to, like, the younger eyes, like, clearly, this is going to have to say, but I, COVID really helped golf in all aspects because people started golfing because they realized they could get outside and do that still. And then people, it brought eyes to golf. And now golf needs to find a way to just grow the game because if you don't actually like golf, not many people want to sit down and watch tournaments every weekend. But they need something just to get in there and just spice it up a little bit and make it fun for everyone to watch. Exactly. No, I wholeheartedly agree with you there. I mean, you know, golf continue. Golf is trying to grow itself. I mean, uh, the PGA, the PGA really has a, should do a should be doing a better job of growing the game of golf. Um, uh, 
as well as other various golf associations as well. And the thing is, though, is like going back to how the FedEx Cup playoffs are, like if you really like want to grow the game, improve how the FedEx Cup playoffs are, people will pay more attention to your turn to those to those tournaments. I mean, yeah, obviously, like they had good viewership. Um, uh, they, they had great. The, BMW Championship had great viewership over the weekend. I believe on Sunday they had it was the top watched uh, sports program in uh, in the country at over like three mil three million viewers. Which I mean for a Sunday like yeah, for a Sunday in August isn't really bad, honestly. I mean obviously like you know that's nothing compared to like uh, to like a, to like an NFL game or whatever. But the thing is though is like three million on a Sunday in August like that's really really right. good. Um, uh, and the thing is though, is like the Ryder cup's going to get some good viewership too. I mean, not just like in the United States, but across like the world, because obviously like they're going like, you know, they're facing team Europe, obviously. Uh, and obviously the European golfers that participate in the PGA tour or any other tour associated with the PGA, they have a huge following, you you know, and they're very popular themselves. So, uh, the number the viewership numbers will be there regardless of, uh, Regardless of the outcome, I mean, obviously, I want the United States to win the Ryder Cup. We'll see what happens. Um, but the thing is, though, is like, you know, I feel like, you know, the PGA the PGA, and the FedEx Cup playoffs could really build off of like what's been going on uh, in this year's and this year's playoff uh, playoffs for the most part. And just like, you know, take a take a gander at everything and take a look and see how things are going and maybe like make some changes, like you said, um, uh, with the playoff holes, with the format um, and just, you know, try and continue to grow the game. Right. No, I mean, that's why, like you said, the Ryder Cup really does help that as well, though, because it's just it's different. You don't you get to see it once a year and uh, it, it's the best golfers in the world going up against each other, but they get to relax a little bit more and you get to see the guys who, who are even playing in the tournament just like having fun like you'll see guys who are off say they're off on the saturday they don't have to golf at all you'll see them drinking beers and stuff having good times with the like fans and other people like the other guys who aren't playing so it, it definitely just needs stuff like that but um no i mean sunday it definitely was a lot of fun to watch like going into six playoff holes i mean that's always just fun to watch because but they're the best golfers in the world so you get to see great shots or great shot but um, i just hope golf figures out a way to make it more appealing to everyone's eyes oh uh 100 100% there i agree another sport i uh, another sport that um uh, you know is trying to reclaim former glory and gain the popularity that it once had is the sport of boxing and uh, this pa- and this pa- also this past sunday um, was the card for the Jake Paul versus versus Teron Woodley fight? Um, obviously, the Paul Woodley fight was the main event. Um, and the thing is, though, is honestly, like, it wasn't it wasn't terrible. Like the the card itself was not a terrible card. Honestly, I mean, yeah, if you have like a former MMA fighter taking on a YouTuber who is actually not completely trash at boxing actually but and the thing is though is like that fight itself honestly could have been a lot better but the thing is though is like the spectacle that was created because of it like 
it, it, it was a popular it was a popular fight. I mean, obviously, I mean, obviously, like, you know, uh, like Cleveland, like it was in Cleveland at Quicken Loans Arena or what? I think they still call it that. It's called, I think they call it the Q now. I think it's just the Q. Just the Q. OK, so they call it the Q. OK, yeah. And I was in Cleveland last year, so I mean, I should have known that. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, the place was popping for the most part, honestly. And like I said, you know, the fights that they really had, the fights that they really had um, uh, in the undercard weren't, they it, it, they weren't bad. They weren't terrible. I mean, you had Tommy Fury, who was the younger brother of Tyson Tyson Fury. He went up against Anthony Taylor. Um, he, doesn't, uh, he doesn't need to be a boxer, to be fair. He should leave that to his brother. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, though, is like, he wasn't like it wasn't uh, that fight wasn't completely terrible. It was only a four round. It was only a four round bout. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but the thing is, though, it was like they both gave each other a um, uh, they both gave each other, uh, you know, honestly, like they they both gave each other a go for a go at each other. Um, and the thing is, though, is like it wasn't a complete. It was a little um, a bit of a lackluster performance. But the thing is, though, is Anthony Taylor. Who only had only had one professional boxing match before that fight? Um, like I said, though, it wasn't completely terrible. But my two favorite fights of this card was uh, the Montana Love uh, and Ivan Baranchik fight. Um, uh, honestly, like uh, Montana Love ended up picking up a uh, a, t- a victory over TK uh, via TKO. Uh, due to a corner stoppage uh, at the end of the seventh round, because he actually just like, like one, like he just kept blasting away with like left hands, and uh, even though Baron Check came in late, like in the seventh round, like Baron Check eventually got dropped a couple times, and the corner, like at the end of the round, like the corner stepped in and started peeling it, like he, like you could tell, like in the corner, like he was done. Like he was done, he didn't want to fight anymore because he had not been knocked down a couple times. And the ref actually was like, "Okay, can you go? Can you go? Can you go?" I mean, the thing is, though, is like they were both giving each other like you know good punches, landing combos left and right at each other for the most part, um, uh, including a number of punches at the end of round three. But the thing is, though, is like after um uh, after the third round, you could tell like the tide turned in favor of Montana Love. And honestly, that's like where, like, you know, he found that second wind and he was able to like eventually secure TKO, TKO victory. But this one really came as a surprise to me, honestly, was Dan, Daniel Dubois, who uh, beat, who uh, overwhelmed Joe Cusimano in the first round. And Daniel Dubois is a British heavyweight. He just came out swinging. He like pretty much just knocked Cusimano down to the ground. He knocked him down three times in the first round, and that's why eventually they called the fight like with at two ten, like literally two minutes and ten seconds of the first round. Like they they didn't even get to finish the round. Like it was like I literally like walked up, like went to my kitchen just to get a drink, and I look back, and then all of a sudden like they called the fight. I didn't even see, I didn't even get to see it. I had to watch the replay. It was so fast. Like it was actually kind of insane. So the thing is, though, is like those two fights were my best, were the two uh, favorites on the card for me personally. Um, and then going on the Paul Woodley fight, I mean, like I said, you know, a lot of people on Twitter thought that the fight was a doozy and it could have been done a lot better. But the thing is, though, is like it went the distance. Um, Paul actually like 
they both of them, Paul actually landed a lot of good punches. And I mean, like, I mean, Woodley got Paul in between the ropes. And the thing is, though, is like, he probably should have knocked him out after that situation, but he hesitated there for a minute. So, I mean, like, you know, people were calling that the fight was rigged and whatnot. But the thing is, though, is like, I, I really think to test Jake Paul, you actually need to put him up against an actual boxer. And not like these former like uh, MMA fighters who are just getting into the boxing range for the first time. Well, that's why he won't fight them because he, he, Jake Paul isn't got isn't that bad at boxing. But if he went up against an actual boxer, oh, he's gonna I, get his ass I, I don't think he would say like. I mean, that was out of his three fights before that. That was the first real shot that he took and it wobbled him. That was his like the actual only real first punch I've seen him take. Oh, I know because the thing. Well, I mean, you're right. Wobble him and it got him in the ropes, and then, like you said, uh, he just kind of backed off and. Yeah, Woodley should have finished him right there. Yeah, Woodley should have finished him, but he didn't, which I don't want to say it's rigged or not. But um, Mm. I mean, it could have been over there. It should have been over there, in my honest opinion. But the thing is, though, is like even even though Paul got that. Uh, ha- like had that happen to him like he he found a second win for the most part yeah. and the thing is though is like you thought you thought Woodley would have like just like eventually continued with an onslaught there but he didn't it was kind of, it was actually sad to see honestly like the from the fifth of like the like the second half of the fight was really sad to see honestly because like they kind of just like were tr- it was like a chess match like you're trying to figure out like who's gonna make the first move and the thing is though is like if Woodley just like makes one move with his left and then goes in with the right, like it would have been over because you could have just had the onslaught. But the thing is though is like Jay like when Woodley did eventually like land punches, I mean Paul typically like went into a defensive stance where he would just grab him. Which I mean is a smart move, but at the same time, it's like, all right, now you're just chewing up time on the clock, which is going to help you win the rounds, which eventually helped him win the fight, obviously, because like you know, Woodley couldn't land a punch after after getting him into the ropes. But I mean, I I mean, but like I said though, boxing's trying to like get you know, boxing is really trying to get back to like its former glory days of. Um, you know, years past and everything, even like, you know, even from like 20, 25 years ago. But the thing is kind of lost that star power in the sport. And MMA has taken over so much where more people are drawn to that because there's more action as to whereas boxing is just a straight up, really just defense and try to get the punches in where you can. Whereas MMA has really blown up on the scene because for the most part, it's just all go, go, go. No, I agree with you there wholeheartedly. I mean, the thing, I mean, the thing is, though, is like when you really, when you take a look at the name, like when you take a look at like the boxers that are coming through, like all of the divisions, honestly, like you really think like there's like, you know, a chance that boxing could become close to popular as it once was. I mean, obviously, like the politics associated with boxing, especially in the heavyweight division um, uh, now, like. And by by that, I mean, like, you've got, like, your top fighters, like Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua, who have everybody's been wanting to, like, have them fight uh, for, the t- for their titles, respect- for their respective titles for the past few years now. And they just won't do it because of uh, 
the contract because of this dispute or that dispute. And then you've got the whole, oh, um, uh, Tyson Fury owes Deontay Wilder one more fight to, to complete the trilogy and everything. I mean, I don't know how much you follow about this, but I mean, I take a good gander when I can. And uh, no, I only uh, follow the big names in boxing, unfortunately. Yeah. That's just what it's really come to for me because I'm more into MMA than I am boxing. No, that's fair enough there. That's fair enough there. I mean, the thing is, though, is like, I mean, the thing is, there is like, yeah, I, I saw like when it came to this, like, whatever the, this uh, spectacle, I'll call it a spectacle um, for more than a fight, honestly. Like when I was taking a look at like the names on the undercard, I'm like, all right, like you've actually got some pretty decent people here. I'll watch this. Uh, and it turned out, like I said, you know, you had a few up and comers and then you also had a few people that like are known in the boxing world. And the undercard fights actually proved to be very very entertaining and then the main event turned out to be the the, the one fight that everybody cares to see turns out to be the shit show com, compared to the undercard fight which i guess is it happens like that sometimes I but the, pay for it no i did not pay for it <laughs> yeah. Hell no. do All i look right. like do i look like i paid 60 bucks for that fuck no i wouldn't i did pay, pay i did pay 30 dollars to watch barstools rough and rowdy though like that that was exciting boxing <laughs> you <laughs> well, I'm not kidding. Like I was skeptical at first, like about the rough and rowdies. So uh, me and Andrew tuned in the other night to it, and it was, dude, it's it's a lot of fun. I would recommend for anyone for the next for the next rough and rowdy that Barstool puts on, I would definitely recommend tuning in because it's a lot of fun to watch and it is great a shit show is what it is. But it's I mean honestly, don't isn't don't they have like thirty fight like fifteen like the twenty fights the yeah, entire they night? Have, like, they have 20 undercard fights and five main events, and they're all so what it is, it's three rounds, three one minute rounds, and it's just, it's just straight action. Jesus Christ, the best fight was actually the women's fight. They went uh three minutes straight and just wailing each other in the face. It was amazing. Oh my god, see, I uh, I got it. I mean, I, I you know. I, I, I've always wanted to watch, like, a rough and rowdy, honestly. But the thing is, though, is, like, it, it's not actually, like, it's not MMA. It's not boxing. Like, it's just pretty much, like, people, like, you know, just throwing. Like, it, it's organized street fighting at this point. <laughs> which, I mean, like, I'm which is a whatever to me yeah. because Barstool makes a shit ton of money off of it. And, of course, it's got a popular thing. I mean, like, I've just never been inclined or intrigued as to watch it. I mean, I, like, see highlights on the social channels and whatnot. Oh. I was never intrigued to watch it, but I watch it and I will definitely be whatever Barstool puts on because I know down south, I guess, Rough and Rowdy is like a big thing and they do it like every week. But uh, definitely, I would definitely recommend the watch for it. Definitely like a fun watch. Hmm. Probably more, probably going to be more entertaining than um, uh, than anything. Than, uh, Because when it comes to like MMA, boxing, cards like that like you really have to like take a look and see like what the like what's on the card and if yeah. not and if you and if you really don't find anything intriguing then it's like is this really worth like getting like watching illegally streaming streaming legally whatever you want to do uh is you have to like really take a look and see like is it really worth it there right uh fun fact though uh because you brought up the street fighting you said organized street fighting uh fun fact it is legal to fist fight someone uh, in Portland, um, if so, if you hold on, guys, are we talking Portland, Maine, or Portland, Oregon? Oh, Portland, Oregon. It is okay. If you like, if cops saw a fist fight going on in the street, they're not allowed to do anything because it is legal to have fist fights. 
All right. Well, uh, so if you need well, to settle the dispute with anyone, just fly out to Portland. You guys can fist fight and not worry about getting arrested. There you go. Pretty much. There, we've got that settled for you. All right. Um. Uh, so, um. Uh, Paisco, we. I've got some disputes I gotta settle with you. We're going to Oregon, <laughs> motherfucker. And, uh, can I commentate this fight? <laughs> not actually going. I'm not actually gonna fight him. I was just gonna leave him there. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that, that, that was the weekly uh, Pisca mention on the podcast. We got to bring it up once a week. We got to bring it up you once to, a since week. Since you wanted to ditch us on the one time we're going to have him on as our guest. Yeah. So, got us. Now you get to mention every week. You're you gonna, yeah. We're, 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 we're popular. We are made, we're popularizing him. There. I can't fucking speak the English language for fuck's sake. Uh, no, I'm not drunk. Um, uh, But speaking of fights. We have a we have an all time classic fight going on in the NHL, and no, <laughs> it is not a, a fight between players. It's a fight between organizations. The Montreal Canadiens and the Carolina Hurricanes have a newfound rivalry between their respective organizations, and this one goes back a few years. So, long story short, um, uh, back a few years in free agency. I don't know how many years it's been now. Probably like what five, almost at least. Um, uh, when Sebastian Ajo was a free agent, uh, was a restricted free agent for the, uh, for the Carolina Hurricanes, the Montreal Canadiens gave him an offer sheet and forced the Carolina Hurricanes to practically pretty much like accept that offer sheet that they gave that Montreal had offered him because you have to because the rules of offer sheets for any sport, like if you're a restricted free agent, like you have a certain amount, like if a team gives you that, you the team that you play for has a few select few amount of days to either match that or decline it. And then that player will go to that team that gave them the offer sheet and you'll get compensated for it via like draft picks or something. So fast forward to just a few days ago here in 2021, <laughs> Yasperi Kotkin who is a center for the Montreal Canadiens is a restricted free agent and the Carolina hurricanes decided to be a bunch of fucks and give him a one-year, $6.1 million offer sheet um, uh, that is pretty much forcing the hands of the Montreal Canadiens because they have no money, and they literally are, like, pretty much barefed in against the cap right now, and they don't want and they don't want, don't want to go over it, can't go over it, whatever you want to call it. Um, uh, so Montreal is pretty much pissed right now because their hands are pretty much tied as to figure out, like, what to do with the uh, – whether or not they have to keep Kokinyemi, if they want to keep him, if they want to lose, go have $6 million go against the cap, or if they just lose him to Carolina and they take a first and third round pick as compensation. <laughs> what do you make of all this? Um, I think it's funny because isn't with, with the contract that the, they kind of offered him, isn't he going to be getting like double what he should be getting, like double his worth? Yeah, he's getting like double. He's his getting worth. like double his worth for this, and I just think it's funny because clearly, like these two, like you said, going back a couple of years now, um, I, I, I reporters are saying it's not because of that, but I mean, clearly, like, clear, I mean, don't get me wrong, Kobe Niemi is a good hockey player, but the thing but is, though, is he's not worth six million dollars. He's not worth six million dollars, but now if if they want to keep him around, they're going to have to pay him that, or else he's going to be gone because. Because well, he's a restrict, he's RFA, right? Yeah, he's restricted yeah, for you. So basically, they don't. Basically, what that means for people who don't know is, if Carolina, Carolina, or uh, 
Montreal. Montreal, thank you. Montreal could match that if they wanted, but like you said, they don't really have the money to. No, they don't have the cap room. And they, they clearly want to keep him around, but it, Coke and Miami could just leave for that if they don't match the offer, which they don't really have the money to offer. Because what is it, eleven? Like it's like eleven million dollar signing bonus. Yeah, something like that. And then, like I said, the six million dollars will go against something, the cap yeah, that they don't stupid, have. Like yeah. they don't have like they don't have the cap space to take that six million dollar cap hit. Um, uh, so, so are we putting this just just out of spite and to kind of fuck with them? Even though I mean they could you, but six million dollars is so much. For yeah, him. but the thing is too is like Montreal is kind of like fucked in a way because they're they're really like thin at center because they lost the note to uh for to Los Angeles for nothing. He yeah. signed that uh he signed that like six year six year contract to go out. West and he took the money there. So, like, if they don't keep cooking Yemi and let him go to Carolina, they could they have those picks for next season. But the thing is, though, is I've been here, I've been seeing rumblings on Twitter. Like, if they let Coke and Yemi go, they're gonna take those picks and like trade them to like Arizona because I think Arizona has like a has like a, a depth a depth center yeah. that like wants out. Also, um, I so if they didn't match it, they'd be eight million dollars over the cap. That's insane. See, yeah, that's a lot, and, that's, yeah, yeah. The league will definitely have to like be like, "Yo, what the hell's going on here?" And I Burge- mean, let's be honest: is salary cap really a thing, or is it just kind of in place and teams can do whatever they want with it? I let, think let, it's. Let, 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 let's be honest here for a second. I mean, the thing is, though, you've got teams like the Tampa Bay Lightning, and then you've got teams like. I'm not going to mention them for our mental health, but uh, that are trying just to get to the cap floor, which means that they're just trying to be like close to like the minimum amount that you need to have for the salary cap. Oh boy. So, it's fun to rebuild for the last 27 years now. Oh, it's been like. so fun. Oh, it's been like. so really fun. Been but, but, yeah. But the thing is there is like Montreal just finds itself in like a crazy situation where Bergevin has practically turned uh, uh, the Stanley Cup finalists uh, from last season into a real-life soap opera for the most part throughout free agency in this, uh, and now this Kokaniemi saga, which is hilarious <laughs> if you ask me. I mean, I mean, like I, you think that they actually like did some pretty decent things in free agency, minus losing to no. But now if they lose Kokaniemi, then they're kind of fucked because they don't have depth at center. They don't have depth at center. Then they're just kind of. I mean, if let's call a spade a spade here, they didn't deserve to make playoffs last year. No, if, if the divisions were normal, they were absolute dog shit. But because they would have finished divisions... second, the last in the Atlantic, yeah. we all know who have finished last. <laughs> um, let's be let's call Spain Spain. It's they didn't deserve to make playoffs, but they did. They made it to the Stanley Cup final, which is kind of like a Cinderella story because they didn't deserve to by any means. Yeah. But now I think this season you might see them finish probably around the same they did last year, regards yeah. of, in regards of their record. And they can make the playoffs. The only reason that team stands a chance to win any games is because they have Carey Price and Matt, which they are very thankful for. Um, if they wanted to open up, I mean, they I guess they didn't, uh, but they could have. You could try to move Price, but I don't really think you want to do that for all. No, because they would if team. they were. Good. If they were going to move Price, they would just let Seattle take them in the expansion draft. Well, he for was nothing. he was open in the draft. They didn't. They protect him, no. Protect him, but because of Bergevin lying about uh, the injury that he had, um, uh, and making it more serious than than it was, uh, obviously Seattle said pass. So 
that looked like a win for Bergevin right there. But now with this whole situation, uh, with, with, with everything that's going on with Kokaniemi and the Canes and everything, like, you know, it's really interesting to see how this all plays out because I don't think Montreal has too much time left uh, to, uh, you know, respond to the offer sheet. I think they only have like about maybe like a few days left. Yeah. Um, I, don't th- I don't really think it's out of spite, to be honest, from Carolina. I think they could really use Cope to Niami. Um, well, yeah, because they let Dougie Hamilton go. Yeah, they let Dougie Hamilton go. So they could really use him to get some power up front. Um, get, but I, you could be right just based on what had happened in the past. Um, yeah, because the thing is, though, is like, yeah, because the thing is, though, is honestly, I, I only say it's out of spite because of, because of this. And I talked to you about this yesterday. Elias Pedersen is a restricted free agent and nobody's been making any rumblings towards Vancouver or giving him an offer sheet. So, like, if you well, see somebody, like, he is expensive. But the thing is, though, is like Carolina. Yeah, Carolina is a dumb team where they bring Tony D'Angelo in and they lose Dougie Hamilton, honestly. I mean, they did re-sign uh, – they, I can't pronounce his name. You know who I'm talking about. Uh, they, he secured the bag for six years. Shnechnikov or something like that. I can't pronounce his name. You know who I'm talking about. Wait, you're talking about Shnechnikov from uh, Carolina? Yeah, yeah, he got a six-year contract. Yeah. Yeah, he secured the bag. Um, uh, so Carolina, obviously, like you know, they want they wanted to keep him, but they lost Dougie Hamilton. But if they want like center, if they want depth at center, like obviously, like yeah, Patterson's expensive, but like Vancouver honestly isn't trying to do anything to keep him, as you can, because I didn't know he was a restricted free agent. I didn't I, know that either. But do you think it could be because he got injured towards the end of the year last season? I think it is the case. I think that is the case there. But I mean, the thing is though, is like. But still, I mean, you know, he's honestly, a great player. I mean, he is a great player. So that's why I think this is all out of spite. Because the thing is, though, is like even like if you have like injury, if you're a, if you if he if like you you want like center depth and like yeah okay like yeah there's gonna be some time where like they that Patterson could be out like you know for the start of the upcoming season because it's September now training camp will be starting soon. Uh, they'll be playing preseason hockey at the end of the month. And then once October, the calendar changes to October, like the regular season will be starting. So, I mean, I can see like why they probably saw Coke and Yemi, like, you know, um, uh, as an option. No, the more you that shit, though, I think you're right. I think it is more out of spite. The more, Oh yeah. The $6.1 like, million makes it out of spite. Yeah, I, didn't, not I, didn't, I didn't really think that, but. Now, the more you talk about, it, I can see why you would say, say that and why people. Yeah, he's not worth six million dollars. His production is not worth six million dollars. He's worth like two and a half to three at most. Three, Maybe. yeah, I would say I would say probably like three point three point three at most, like three point three, which probably exactly three. not six point one. But the thing is, though, is like with all this drama unfolding, and um, uh, I don't know if I had talked. Yeah, I actually said this to you, like since he's a free agent, if. If Montreal actually doesn't, if Montreal, like if Montreal doesn't want to, if Montreal, you know, doesn't care and just lets him go, make an offer sheet to, if you give an offer sheet to Vancouver and see like what happens, um, uh, maybe you can convince those clowns out there to let him go on the cheap because, you know, they just like will let anything go there for the most part. Um, uh, so my, my, my running joke is, is that like, yeah, loose Kokaniemi, even though like, you know, he, 
he's a good player and everything, but like you like like we said, the production really isn't there for like his worth at the time. Whereas like you know what you're gonna get in the production for Elias Pettersson. But like you said, the injury there that he suffered towards the end of last season, you don't know when he's gonna come back and you don't know how how you don't know like what his production will be post injury. So it really is a catch twenty two situation here. But in the end, I, I, I do find it hilarious. I, I think mo- most of the hockey world probably does, I would assume. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, like I said, like, Montreal's uh, – <clears throat> excuse me, Montreal's not that great of a hockey team. So, I mean, if, if they want to rebuild, just let him walk and save your cap. Um, trade – you can use – some of your players actually they have probably for trade bait they wanted you to get picks and stuff, but I mean they, they clearly like that they, they're not a playoff caliber hockey team once an actual season is once an actual season is upon it. Unlike last year where it was just how they the divisions were set up happened to get them to playoffs. Um, I think they need a Montreal really needs to be more in the rebuild mode than they do a win now mode. To be well, honest, most Which, likely. I mean, the thing is, though, is, like, they have the pieces to rebuild. And then I'm not going to go into it too much. But the thing is, though, is, like, you heard, like, you know, there were some people, like, rumbling around that, like, maybe, like, you know, they could make a move for a, a disgruntled injured center uh, that uh, wants out of a, of a small market hockey team. And then, But the thing is, though, is, like, the rumblings that I was following, like, they weren't really willing to give up much for uh, Jack Eichel. Um, uh, they wanted to, like, you know, try and keep pieces that uh, yeah. they could rebuild the WIFT, uh, but also keep Eichel for a win now. And they can build around Eichel and build around mm-hmm. Eichel for winning now and, you know, also building for the future, too. But that wasn't going to fly there. Um, but like I said, I don't really want to go too much in depth there about that uh, because, you know, it's just a whole that's a that's just a whole nother conversation there that we can have another day. But like I said, I mean, you find this whole situation funny. I find this whole situation funny. Uh, the whole hockey world pretty much finds it hilarious for the most part, because like, a, you know, it's pretty much a real life soap opera, like I said, for the most part. You just we're just dying to see what what happens, whether or not Montreal is stupid enough to go eight million over the cap or if they just yeah. let him go for nothing. Do you remember what they offered for Ajo? I do not actually. I think it was like a I think it was like a four three or four year deal. That would that would actually that would make sense. I don't remember what they offered for him. Uh, the money honest. wasn't ridiculous. The money, well, the money wasn't, wasn't bad. It was the because we all knew Ajo wanted to be in wanted to be in Carolina at that yeah, point. but Carolina wasn't doing anything. So like yeah. Montreal just decided to like play, you know, play asshole for the most part and uh, force Carolina's hand um, uh, into like, you know, making Ajo, you know, securing, making, uh, having Ajo secure a deal that most likely wasn't team friendly, obviously. But mm-hmm. the thing is though, it, it is what it is and it happened. So, like I said, it's just going to be interesting and hilarious to see how this all unfolds within the next few days. Or, um, uh, you know, because the thing is, though, is like, like I said, training camp starts soon. Training camp does start. When, when does it start? At the two weeks, right? Two weeks, two or three weeks, something along that. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm not excited for hockey season to start up. I am excited for hockey season. I'm not excited for Buffalo Sabres hockey season. 
the more and more we get it's closer good... to training camp, the more and more I think he stays. He changed agents, and they're looking at have, and I think they're going to have. He's going to have surgery soon. Which the problem is the him... agent is a Boston boy, so that makes me scared that the Sabres are going to be dumb and trade him to Boston. That that is my biggest fear is trading. I don't think they'll trade him to Boston because Boston won't have anything to give us. I mean, well, like... isn't this um, isn't he uh, who else? Isn't he um no, it's not Matthews and McDavid's. Never mind. Nope. Okay, Just never go mind on. there. Go on. Okay. Yeah. But um uh, no, I mean, uh, you know, speaking of hilarity there, I do want to move into another thing that I find hilarious. And going into um uh, going into how I mentioned about fans and heckling and whatnot. Um meet the Mets, everybody. Meet the Mets. Everybody thought that the Mets were going to be the biggest thing in New York this season, and boy, were they correct, but for all the wrong reasons. The Mets have turned into Turmoil City ever since they acquired Javier Baez from the Chicago Cubs, and he has turned into public enemy number one uh, over the past few days because he decided to start booing his own fans. So That's, 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 a, that's, like a, that's an alpha move right there. If we're being fair to boo your... But problem, I, you you go into this first, and I'll, then I'll have my say on this. Considering this is this is my this team. is the team you support. This is the team I support, and it is. And I'm surprised that you actually agreed to talk about this. But the thing is, though, is like, why would we not talk about this though? Because like, it is a major issue that ha- that is actually happening, like for a team that honestly should probably be in playoff contention. But so long story short, the Mets couldn't buy a win to save their lives at one point. The Mets, like, they, they were in first place for the longest time. Then they got swept by the Phillies a few weeks back. And then after they got swept by the Phillies, they've just been t- tumbling down the standings in, in the NL East. They, like, they were, they're, are, they're still in third place, right? They, they didn't get to fourth. Yet. They're not in fourth. The, the Marlins are too bad for them to be close to the bottom, right? No, yeah, we're, um, still, we're still sitting in third in the NL East. Um, yeah, but, it's, but the th- not, it's not looking grim. And something also else happened today with the team that I'll go into after. Uh, what you, what you're oh, I about. know exactly what you're going to go into there, too. Um, uh, so uh, you can definitely take the floor there uh, with that. But the thing is, though, is because of the Mets' poor performances on the field with the fact that, like, their offense was terrible, they couldn't score run, they couldn't, runs, they couldn't get hits, and they were just losing games, like, and playing ter- and playing miserable baseball. Like, the fans literally were booing them out of the ballpark. I mean, like, not literally, but the thing is, though, is, like, the fans were very displeased. And not only were they displeased, like, at the ballpark booing the fans, they were also calling out their owner on Twitter because, you know, everybody's favorite owner, Uncle Steve Cohen, uh, decides to go on Twitter and talk about how terrible the offense is. And it's like, no, you actually do – you should actually do your job and, like, run the team instead of bickering on Twitter. Um, but the thing is, though, is, like, a few days ago, Javi, like, Javier Baez – in fact, this also was on Sunday, which is crazy um, – how the golf – uh, the Paul fight and now the, and the Mets all happened on Sunday. Um, actually, our other topic that we're going to talk about also happened on Sunday, too. So Sunday was really crazy in sports just to get off topic there. But, yeah, so Javier Baez decided to start booing the fans like every like he got a hit like in, he got hit in the game on Sunday. He started booing the fans and like doing thumbs down. And the team actually started following suit. Lindor was doing it. A couple other guys were doing it. Um, and it got to the point where. Where like the fan like you know, 
the media was real. The media realized it, like you know the like that the players were like antagonizing the fans, booing them back, giving them the thumbs down gesture. Like it was just not a good look on uh, in terms of like you know a media p and pr um uh, situation. And even people on social media channels like were like, wait, what the fuck is happening here? Why is this happening? And at some point, eventually, the Mets came out with a statement defending the fans saying that they're allowed to boo and Steve Cohen was nowhere to be found. Like you literally had Sandy Alderson, who's a fucking terrible general manager. If you ask me is yeah. What kill. I don't know how he still has that general manager's position because like, yeah, he's made some, yeah, you quite, you got Lindor, you got bias, but your two biggest acquisitions are antagonizing your fan base. Now bias was just a placeholder to be honest though, for Lindor while he was hurt. If we're being yeah. honest. I mean, yeah. But what is he? What is he like? A, he's like a, this year. He's like a two seven seven hitter, something like that. Or two two seven hitter. Something yeah, like but that. I mean, fit. he's not a great player. Like he's all right, but he was just a placeholder, in my opinion. But yeah. for him to come in and clearly, if you're playing like every, shit, you're gonna be booed. Every fucking sorry for my language. Every single team who plays like absolute shit throughout the season will be, be booed. booed. By their fan. Every fan is going to boo. We're playing bad. Just let you know their frustrations. Exactly, because you want as you are paying the organization that you support, you're buying tickets, you're buying paying for parking, you're paying for concessions, you're paying for merchandise. Like your money is going into a organization that is playing piss poor, like like whatever sport you play. I mean, just ask Arsenal fans; they see themselves twentieth in the Premier League, and their fans are booing them out of the Emirates every day and calling <laughs> them out on social media left and right now. But the thing is, though, is for the general manager to like not even take the side of his players and say, "Yeah, I understand." Like the point, you guys are your frustration. Say even say like, "Yeah, I understand your frustrations." Uh, about how things are happening with the fans and to completely take the side of the fans. Like, you, what the fuck are you doing? And for your owner to be nowhere to be found and he just yeah, and if he just decides to criticize the team again on Twitter because of how bad the offense is, like he did weeks past or whatever, like, it's just a complete shit show for the Mets right now, yeah, honestly. It is, it, this organization is a grade-A shit show. And to make things even better, our uh, acting GM, Zach Scott, um, he's got arrested for a DWI on uh, last night, I believe, and he yes. was leaving the owner's house. He was coming from the owner's house. They had a uh, it was a function. It was a uh, function for the Mets Foundation yeah. that was at Cohen's house, and he had a few drinks. They arrested him while he was asleep in his car, like seven hours later, if I'm correct. You are correct. Yeah. So he fell asleep at the wheel in his car and they arrested him on the spot. And the thing is, though, is like, where's Cohen for this now? He has not been seen. He hasn't said a word about this. Or he hasn't said a word about anything at all. Like, like, It's an absolute joke what this organization is turning into right now. I mean, mean, it has been a joke of an organization for years, but. You're right. We're the the laughing stock in New York. It's fine. Well, no, the the Knicks, uh, the Knicks and the Jets exist. Don't worry. <laughs> Fucking the Jets aren't a New York team. You relax. They're a New Jersey team. Yeah, but New York media, the New York City New York, media yeah. counts them. That's, so that's true. But I mean, this is the joke of an organization for the for the baseball, state of New for York. Baseball for the baseball side of New York. Yeah, this team is an absolute, and it's just things just keep getting worse and worse for the Mets right now. I mean, did they shut down Degrom? I think he got hurt again. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, did they shut yeah. him down? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They're considering shutting him down. Is that was that official? Did they shut him down? Not yet. Or are they going to? I believe they did already. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that is what I read. 
Okay. And then Syndergaard hasn't one. When's last time? Is what's what is Syndergaard pitching? I have not. What's going on with him? Like uh, Syndergaard has been hurt all year. Yeah, he's been hurt all year. He has, I, he I don't think I don't think he's came back yet. At oh, all. yeah. So and so you have Marcus Stroman, um, uh, pretty much as your ace right now. Um, uh, even Tyjon Walker is going on Twitter and criticizing everything. Like he, I saw one tweet of his like a few days ago with just like laughing emojis. And I'm like, well, okay, what the hell is this? You know, Syndergaard hasn't pitched all season. <clears throat> um, it's just really just this organization. It's a mess. Yeah. I mean, DeGrom's hurt again. Syndergaard hasn't pitched all season. Thankfully, Lindor just came back, but he started booing the fans with Baez. Yeah, he started um, booing the fans, and Jesus Aguilar in my from opinion, the Marlins said, in what my, are you doing? Yeah, in my opinion, if you just, if the organization could have came out differently and backed their players, like, yes, we know where they're playing, like, whatever, but they took the side of the fans, which is fine. But if you're a player, if you know you're playing bad, you deserve to be booed. If you make Baez, what, had one hit that game when he put the thumbs down, that was his only hit. He puts thumbs down. I mean, come on. I mean, if you if you're playing bad, you deserve the criticism that comes with it. Oh yeah, no. I mean, like he came out like he hit a home run in his first game, and the thing is, right. it was like he hasn't done anything since. So like, I understand. Like you know, yeah. Obviously, like he was traded as a rental for the. Yeah, I mean, he got it in the season anyways. Thankfully. Yeah, because the thing is, though, is like you know, it was help for a playoff push, but at the same time, like you know, you acquire him and. You know, you guys haven't done anything since you acquired him. Like, it's all of a sudden, like, you know, they – you guys were in first place. Then, like, you get trade for Baez, and, like, all of a sudden, like, all this negative shit is happening. And it's like, well, you can't – like, you know, well, I, I don't know really who to blame here. I mean, yeah, Baez has been performing terribly. Lindor has been performing, I, like, very subpar all season, even yeah, when he's not even injured. When he, even when he's not injured, he was very – he wasn't where he was at with the Indians for sure. I mean, his – his percentage was fine, but he was not doing anything to help the team, really. No. Um, but, I mean, what in our last, like, 15, I think we won three games. So, I mean, I mean Christ. Yeah, we lost. Yeah, it was like – I think we won, like, three in our last 15. <laughs> on the Super I mean, the, the Dodgers uh, – Couple of weeks ago, just blew us out like it was like fourteen to four or something stupid like that. Yeah, you, I mean, you yeah, have, no, this team has literally no offense. No, you guys can't hit the ball. You can't get on base. I mean, and the thing is, though, is all, you it just help, can't get on base. It's not even like hitting the ball. Right. Like you guys just can't get on base. It doesn't help that two of the two of the best pitchers probably in the league, in my opinion, you could disagree whatever you want, aren't pitching for us. I mean, that would definitely help with our defensive aspect. But I mean, because other than other than uh, <clears throat> excuse me, other than Syndergaard and Degrom, we really aren't that deep at pitcher. I mean, besides really like Stroman, I yeah. would, we're not deep at pitcher at all, and that causes more issues because why, that's why teams are putting up eight runs on us every fucking game. I mean, yeah, and the thing is, though, thankfully we won the we won today. I, it was uh that stupid um uh the seven inning game because we got uh delayed. So we won. We beat the Marlins today, but I mean, come on. Yeah, didn't they beat the Cubs in like a made up in like a in a finished game like a couple days a few days ago too, where Baez actually scored the winning run for the Mets, and and at the time of the game, like originally played, he was playing for the Cubs. So you're saying like a couple? That's probably about a month ago. A month ago or something like that. Yeah, that, Baez got traded about a month ago to us. Man. No, no. What I'm saying is like what I'm saying is like didn't they beat the Cubs? 
in a game that they were that they like completed that was like only like four innings through and it got rained out. And what I'm saying is like I've I've thought I've thought like that when they played the Cubs like before they that game that they played the Cubs against uh, was when Baez was still on the Cubs. And then, like, when they completed the game just a few days ago, Baez scored the winning run as a member of the Mets, which is what I I thought I saw something about that. No, I'm pretty sure the last time we played them was in June. I'm pretty sure. Maybe, they, like, beat the, maybe they beat the Marlins, like, on a walk-off from a completed I think game. The, the last time we played the Cubs was in June, I believe. So it was been a while ago since we played the Cubs. Oh, okay. Okay. I, 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 you know, I thought I saw something about that, but I mean, like, uh, you know, the, everything with the Mets that happens, like it's more bad than good anyway. So, um, uh, but the whole, but the thing is though, is like, they really need to get their act together. I mean, they're really not out of, um, the Annalise is bad. The Annalise is terrible. Like it's like pretty much like the NFL's ver the MLB's version of the NFC East. So like honestly, like if the Mets actually can find them find ways to like get some wins together, they can probably find a way to get back into first and like. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean the Braves. Yeah, I mean the NL East is terrible. You're right. I mean the Braves. I think are sitting at seventy or seven seventy to like seventy two wins or something like that, and the Mets are at sixty five right now. Yeah, so, so I mean, we're like, not that many games out, but the problem is the way this team's been playing. I don't see it happening. And even if we no, did, they really need like a kick some, in the ass. Somehow we did top the NL East. We're not gonna we're not gonna do shit in playoffs. No, I know you're probably no, you're probably you're most likely right there. I mean, we're in the September baseball, and a lot of things could actually happen. Um, but the thing is, though, is like looking at how the season has been going. Like your own your your owner, Uncle Steve. Um, uh, really has like some things to like take a look at like once the season ends whether it's uh at the beginning of October once the regular season ends or if it's like after they get knocked out of the postseason if they do make it there um uh, but the thing is though is like it's just been a complete shit show for you guys like these past few days with the booing of the fans and then like the acting GM um uh, like you know this guy um, uh, you know, this guy, you're acting GM for the most part. Um, Zach Scott's, yeah. Zach Scott's getting arrested for DUI. Um, uh, and then like, you know, it is what it is there. So we'll just see what happens there. Um, uh, we'll just see what happens there for the most part. Um, and then the thing, and so like, you know, it's hilarious because it's hilarious for me because I'm a Yankees fan. It's all, I mean, I feel bad. I do feel bad for you Mets fans. Honestly, I really do because you, you got the Mets fans like, you know, honestly deserve better. You guys dealt with the Will Ponds and then like you had the whole Bernie Madoff Ponzi scheme years before that. So then like what, so like, obviously like, you know, it would be nice to see like, you know, Queens, like, and the Mets like actually like have a competitive baseball team that like actually like is fun to watch. This was because, supposed to be the year. That's the issue. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Like everybody was like, "Oh, the Mets are back. The Mets are back. The Mets are back." But the thing is, though, is like it would be good for baseball because New York base, like you know, everybody talks about like like Los Angeles baseball and Chicago baseball and everything. No, when New York baseball in general is great. Baseball is great. Yeah, the Yan yeah, okay. I'm a Yankees fan and yeah, okay, like yeah, the Yankees like are atop the wild card now, uh, even though they're on a skid of their own right now. Um uh, but the thing is though is like when New York baseball in general does good and both the Yankees and Mets are competitive, 
then baseball as a whole does good because that market is successful. That market is getting talked about a lot. And not only is that those, uh, is that market getting talked about a lot in a positive way, they're compete. They're the, the division that they compete in their respective divisions, they competed, get talked about a lot too. And as well does like any wild card races uh, as we get into like, obviously later on in the season. So hopefully maybe the Mets can find like their, acts and get it together for the most part uh whether it's this season or next season or maybe like even 25 seasons down the road hopefully it doesn't take too that too long for Mets fans uh that would suck but I mean there's a lot that needs to be figured out there um uh but speaking of hilarity and you know just getting your shit together or in the case of not having your shit together (laughs) Everybody's favorite fake high school, Bishop Sycamore, is pretty much become the laughing stock of the world over the past few days because, well, they're a bunch of grown ass men that got their asses kicked by a bunch of high schoolers. And this, like, so over the weekend in Canton, Ohio, they had like a bunch of games at the uh, Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium. And I think it was like some like, um, uh, so over the, like I said, it's been pretty much like over the past few days, like over the last weekend, they were able to, you know, have teams go up against one another, um, and obviously go like, you know, (laughs) compete in like a high school football classic for the most part. I'm stumbling at my fucking words here. Um, uh, and IMG Academy based in Florida, where obviously like all these top pro- all these top kids go, whether it's like for football, basketball, you name it, they, you know, they participate in, you know, in like an actual high school sports or whatever. And they played this school called Bishop Sycamore, who is supposedly based on Cincinnati, Ohio area. Um, and Bishop Sycamore ended up losing like 58. Uh, they got destroyed. Um, <laughs> uh, like 53, 58. To it was nothing 58 nothing. Yeah. And, it's fucking hilarious, honestly, because <laughs> not even a, they're not even a school. They're, most of their players were Juco dropouts who were age 19 or over. <laughs> a bunch of players were lying using a fake name uh, and lying using fake names. They lied about their recruiting. This they didn't, game was put, they didn't even televised. put a lot of the player. They didn't even put a lot of the players on the roster that ESPN had when they were televising the game. So ESPN had no idea who the players were. No, the fact that this was even nationally televised, like a fake school was able to dupe the worldwide leader in sports, as we all call it. Well, honestly, though, before you go there, I want to say shame on IMG because IMG is an independent school, meaning they don't play in any any conference or anything. So they make, they their, own, they make their own schedule. The problem they is with that, guess, guess what? IMG played the same team last year as well, and it wasn't they televised. Should. They should have known. Yeah. They should have known I mean, something was up. I mean, they played them last year, so it's clearly like one of those games where like you see in colleges, kind of like a tune-up game, like at the beginning of the season, like say if like Notre Dame went and played like UNLV or something like that. So, I mean, the thing is, so, I mean, this whole situation is hilarious because like, you know, it's a nationally televised game on, on ESPN against like IMG Academy. And apparently, like, I am. So, like, they get fucking destroyed. ESPN had no research on anybody from 
Bishop Sycamore or whatever the fuck you want to call it um, uh, whatsoever. And they apparently won 0-6 last year where they only scored 42 points and gave up 227. And they had a game that was two days before that and they got their asses kicked before that. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, th- th- this is just a wild story when it came out. Because when you had first mentioned to me, I haven't seen any of the articles or anything. So I was like, what do you mean a fake high school? Then yeah, I know. The link and I read it, I'm like, yo, this is crazy. Yeah, exactly. As the days went on, the story kept getting crazier Wilder. and crazier. Because yeah. it came out then that their coach had a warrant out for his arrest. He ha- it's, 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 it's not had. It has. It's an active warrant. Yeah. It has an active warrant out for his arrest. Um, he was fired after the game, though. So I mean, it's fine. Hopefully, hopefully the cops got the man. Uh, come on, I don't think they arrested come on, him. Come on to our justice system. He was on TV. You guys should be able to get him. You um, guys know who this man is now. Find him. So yeah, no, this guy was like, like he has an active arrest warrant for failing to appear in court in regards to a domestic violence dispute. So you practically had a a beater of some sort, like coaching a bunch of like old men, whatever age they were anywhere between 19 and 30 for some points, like duping the worldwide leader in sports. And the thing is though, is like, it's, it's just insane. Like how this had happened because the thing is though, is like, I really don't understand how this was allowed to happen because like, first off, like. Shame on ESPN, whoever books, Whoever books the games for ESPN, shame on them for not realizing this is a fake school. I mean, if you go to the school's website. It's a blog post page. Well, there there was, yeah, it's a blog post page on basically how to recruit and stuff. But now, I mean, Bishop Sycamore isn't even an actual bishop anywhere. There's no Bishop Sycamore in the world. Um, But, I mean, they so they go lie to ESPN about the recruits they have. Um, Absolutely blown out. A lot of their players got hurt during the game. Yep. I, mean, I, I just don't get how you're like, say you're like a Juco, like a Juco star or not even, you're not a, even a Juco not school. Even a, you, you're not even a Juco school. You play in the Juco college and you're like, you know what, fuck, I'm going back to play high schoolers and then get your shit up the national television. I don't get how, how you do, if you're like, say you're 21 years old, I'm sorry, but there is a hell of a difference between someone who is 21 and someone who is 16 to 17. I mean, I get IMG. They always produce great athletes out of any sports they play. Um, I mean, you look at their basketball team, look at their football team. It's basically a sports school. But, I mean, shame on you if you're, like, 21 years old playing in this game and getting your shit kicked in by a 16-year-old. Oh, I know. I find it completely hilarious, the fact that they got their asses kicked. And I think one of the players who was, like, in his 30s, like, tore his ACL or something like that. And I'm like, what the fuck? Um, uh, But the thing is, though, is, like, you know, this really isn't the first time that, like, I mean, Bishop Sycamore, this thing's been going on for a long time, honestly. I mean, we had talked about it earlier about how they didn't exist until 2019 because they were previously known as Christians of faith, and they were a scamming shit show in itself for the most part. No, it those wasn't actual schools. It, it, it's, so, all right, so I, I did my research into this. So, technically, it is an actual school. Um, It was, it was it a school, but then it wasn't. You have to do... Well, no, for Bishop Sycamore, I'm saying technically it is a real school because all they have to do is submit. Yes, I I know that I'm saying so is Bishop Sycamore because all they have to do, since they're not a part of like the Ohio school district stuff, they're basically like an Amish school where they just have to submit their attendance to the state. And that's all they're doing to consider them a school. That is how they're getting that that high school title on it. But I mean, 
I just I just don't get how ESPN like just doesn't. I I thought for sure ESPN like was on top of their shit for everything. No, nope, I mean, guess not. Come on, like, how do you not just research into this? Like clearly you know who the best high schools are. Clearly you know where all the recruits are. So how are you gonna have a team come in here and tell you they have this many recruits coming out? You be like, oh okay, I believe you. When you guys have a, a top three hundred ranking of high schoolers. And if nobody from Bishop Sycamore is on your top 300, why are you televising a school from Ohio that turns out to be a complete scam? Exactly. Exactly. Um, no, it, it, it's just crazy to me, like, how this just happened. Like, I mean, I saw the – so I where was I? I was – I think I was at a bar or something, and this game was on the TV. And I saw at one point it was, like, 30 nothing. I'm like, wow, I'm like, Bishop Sycamore sucks. And this is just clear when the game's going on. Yeah, I'm like, how the hell are they getting their shit kicked in this badly? Come and to then find I out, sent you like after, link. it was like two days after the game comes out that they're a face. I'm like, well, that makes sense. Yeah, because I, mean, I sent on, you like, like a link or something about yeah. that. Because you, yeah, you talked about we we're gonna have our, uh, you're gonna have our topics for the podcast. You said a fake high school. I said, what do you mean a fake high school? You and I sent, I sent you, you the, sent link. Me the link, and I was blown away. Oh, I was baffled by it. I mean, a lot of people like you did research into it. And the thing is, though, is like I was baffled that like Bishop Sycamore was allowed to be doing this for two years. And then even like when they were Christians of faith before that, like they were still being like technically a scam school because like they didn't have like an education system. They um, uh, they didn't have like a, uh, you know, a recruit system for the most part there. Um, they didn't have a, their player status was unknown. They didn't have a website. Um, but apparently like back in 2018, Christians of faith played a shit ton of good high school football teams. Um, uh, and they've, and they won one in 11, but the thing is though, is that their head coach fucked off after the season and they were no longer considered an academic institution. Um, and the thing is though, but the thing is though, is that car, uh, Christians of faith, um, uh, their leadership told officials that the Methodist Escapolian Church uh, was educating students at a private academy. And this church said that they had no affiliation with the academy. The school and its leaders were just be using the church uh, into duping schools into playing them. Um, uh, and it's just like extremely insane, um, which is how the Ohio Department of Education eventually stripped them of the registration. And they cited that the school could not be located and student attendance could not be verified. Well, no fucking shit. It couldn't uh, with the, for Christians of faith. And now even no shit with fucking Bishop Sycamore, which is just pretty much turned into a laughing stock for the most part um, uh, because of how everything was. That's pretty much like saying like, you know, that's pretty that's pretty much like, not, uh, I, I, you know, ha, like a, a closed high school for the most part, trying to, uh, you know, play high school sports against like a top school, you know, like, you know, say you and I got like the Niagara Catholic boy, soccer team together. We're all like we're all like anywhere from like 21 to like 24 at some point now. And we wanted to go up against like a top high school soccer uh soccer uh, team in like western new york or whatever like i mean like that would just be completely fucking insane honestly like i i i'm just baffled at the whole situation like i mean i'm baffled like you know it's a good baffling though because like there have been many twists to these tales here no it's definitely been it's definitely been a fun it's definitely been fun to keep up on because like how often do you actually see this like a team i didn't have this on the bingo card right so like how often do you see a team fake their way to play on like 
congratulations to Bishop, Bishop Sycamore for faking their way into ESPN, honestly. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, not, in the, they're not in the wrong at all here. I mean, we're no, ESPN is <laughs> completely in the wrong here because, like, you have, like, a, like you said, you have a recruiting system, like, that has ranks, like, the top recruits in the country. And if, like, you know, if you're not seeing anybody from that school on your, like, why are you televising that school? Exactly. Like, like I just like how, how stupid they are you? And then they, the ESPN did try to blame the people that booked their broadcast for them. They tried to blame those people. Like, you know, you can't. That's on you. Like, you chose to broadcast that on national television. And then, like, you know, you chose, like, show an ass kicking of, high, of, of a high school, like, football game. Uh, that turned out to be a complete shit show overall. And the thing is, though, is like, you, you know, I mean, I, I never understood. I, I mean, it is what it is there uh, with that being the case there. So it just makes me, it does actually make me wonder if there's any more like fake institutions out there that are trying to do what Bishop Sycamore did and what Christians of Faith even did before that. No, there's got to be more fake schools. Oh, there has to be. There's, I mean, if this can happen at ESPN, like there's got to be fake schools out there that just play like a high school schedule. There's no oh. doubt in my mind, especially like if you like this team literally got on ESPN, one of, like one of the world's biggest stages for sports. The world's biggest sneak stage on for there, sports. If you can sneak onto there, I'm sure teams can just fake their way into playing other high school teams that are like in, playing independent schedules, you know? Oh, 100%. Plot twist, everybody. Niagara Catholic High School was never a real high school. We just faked our way through playing high school sports, and that's how eventually like, we ended up being somewhat decent at uh, soccer and basketball during, uh, our, during, uh, towards the end of our times in high school. Just kidding, obviously. We actually – just kidding, though. Just kidding. Um, uh, please don't uh, take anything I just said there seriously. I did only graduate with 39 people, so – Basically, yeah, basically I, a fake high school. I graduated with even less. I graduated with like 35, 36. Um, uh, but I mean, I could, I, yeah. Um, would you believe that we started out with like 42, with like 42 to 45 though, my freshman class. And then no. like, yeah, we started out with like 42. I think, no, I, I, I lied there at we at most at one point had like 42 and i think that was like when i was a sophomore and we ended up graduating with 36 or 35 i don't remember to be honest um uh, i mean can you imagine this like including the middle school we only had like 260 some kids in our school yeah public schools who graduated like 400 kids yeah, I know, exactly. We're like a small town school for the most part. We actually probably belonged in like some bumfuck country town in like like fucking West Virginia or something like that, honestly. Um, uh, so we actually could jokingly say maybe we were a fake high school, especially since we're clo- our, our high school closed like two years after like I graduated. Yeah, our um, PNC got shut down. Yeah, I know. Well... Maybe I'll uncover. Maybe I'll uncover some rumors eventually, but um, uh, um, uh, not today. Not today. I'm not gonna do. I'm not gonna do that today. Um, <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, no. I just find the whole situation with Bishop Sycamore hilarious. I'm hoping that there's more to uncover uh, as we get clo- as we go more in depth about it because it ho- it has been hilarious, honestly. But. I do want to go into our final topic before I, before we conclude uh, another podcast episode. And so yesterday, Tuesday was transfer deadline day in European soccer. The transfer deadline passed. It came and went and everything. 
And I just want to say, like, how crazy the entire window was for the most part. Like, there were, uh, I mean, I'm sure you can attest to this. There were a lot of moves that, like, nobody really expected to happen. There were a lot of rumors that, like, were going around that, like, you know, you never thought you would have seen. I mean, in what and... real world do you see the best two players to ever play the game move in the same transfer window? What world do you see that in? I didn't have that on the bingo card either. I definitely didn't have that on the bingo card. Although, you know what, honestly? I'm surprised Bishop Sycamore didn't try to land either one of those two for their soccer team, honestly. They might go after Cam Newton. <laughs> yeah, they signed him to a two-year deal, I heard. I heard Niagara Catholic was in the rumble, was in the running for him too. They were gonna try and uh, get him on a three-year scholarship uh with a four-year with a fourth-year option uh for the non-existent football team. Well, he does need a job, so I mean Bishop Sycamore probably called him. Bishop Sycamore probably did call him. Niagara Catholic, not so much. Unless uh, somebody representing Niagara Catholic is among us. Mr. Uh, Hall probably tried to give him the money. Mr. Hall and his father. Both Mr. Halls probably did. Yeah. I can see it happening. Uh, Here, here's money. What do you want me to do? Play tennis. What? Hell no. I play (laughs) football. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, uh, But, yeah, no, I mean. Yeah, no, I mean, you had Messi and Ronaldo both leave their respective clubs to join new clubs. Um, uh, Ronaldo returning to the club where he pretty much made his name, started to make his name, Manchester United. Messi, like we've mentioned, like how he went on a free transfer to PSG. Um, the Killian, Killian Mbappe rumors um, uh, that uh, where he was going to, where eventually he probably should have left for Real Madrid. Both clubs uh, are and, so stupid for that. Both clubs are so stupid. Both both clubs are stupid. I mean, you had one club that was willing to offer 200 million for a player that was going to leave that was going to leave on a free transfer at the end of the, at the end of this season anyways, and then you had another club who didn't want to take the 200 million dollars and was going and is going to let him walk for nothing because he is going to Real Madrid once uh, the season ends, like once, like the new transfer window in twenty, like once the, said in January, he's going to sign his contract for him. Yeah, he's going to sign a pre-contract agreement in January because once the new year starts, like you can like negotiate with soon-to-be free agents. Um, uh, so the thing is, though, is like he'll have that contract agreement there, and then like once July first hits, like that'll be technically the new calendar year for the European season. Like he'll be a Real Madrid player. So like, I think PSG is the dumber one here for letting him go for nothing. I understand that they wanted to try and turn somewhat of a profit because they ended up paying like 180 million when uh, they bought him. Uh, but the thing is, though, is like losing him for nothing is almost like it's terrible. It's even worse. I, it is worse, exactly, because like you're not getting any money at all for a player of Kylian Mbappe's uh, stature. Like he's a world class player. He's won he's won numerous French league titles. Not only he uh, he's won a few coupe the Fr- French cups. He's also a World Cup winner for crying out loud and a Champions League finalist. I mean, yeah, I probably should have won that Champions League final, but it is what it is. There. Um, uh, so I mean, with that there being the case, it's just insane. Um, I mean, if they. Sorry about that. Go ahead. I know. Go ahead. Continue. Continue. Well, what I was going to say is, I mean, I mean, other moves that have been made, I mean, like throughout the whole window, I mean, like you've had, like. Can I I jump in now? Go ahead. About a move that I think is just absolutely absurd by Barcelona's president. I think you know what I'm talking about. Um, Emerson Royale going to Tottenham for 30 million. 
I mean, a- they after were, after Barcelona has said his release clause was three hundred million. Yeah, so they got like ten percent of the money. Cool, good job, Barcelona. Um, that just blew yeah. my mind when that like when I had seen that from what they said they were, like when he said that he was going to be at Barcelona for life basically, and then just to move him for thirty million. I mean, I don't. That makes no sense to me. Well, what really ups- annoyed me about that was they signed him in like twenty nineteen. And they loaned him out to Real Bettisford in the last two seasons. Then they brought him back because, like, he was going to be their first choice right back, which because uh, that's what Laporta wanted to do. Yeah. But the thing is, though, is like Emerson Royal must not have wanted to stay at Barcelona if he agreed to if they decided to like let him go for thirty million to Tottenham. Well, I mean, he probably I mean, saw he probably saw the financial trouble the club is in, and he probably doesn't want a part of that anymore. I mean, who's oh, I mean, I wouldn't want to stay at Barcelona either. I mean, they're a complete shit show. I mean, they ended up going from having a starting th- front three of uh, Messi, Griezmann, and Memphis Depay, and now their starting front three is going to be Messi. Uh, I'm not Messi because he's at PSG. Stupid me there. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be. Uh, uh, Memphis Depay, Luke, uh, Luke de Jong, and Martin Braithwaite. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what kind of shit show is this? And they sent, I don't know if you, they sent Griezmann back to Atletico on loan. Yeah. Uh, well, they, that whole, that whole Griezmann thing is hilarious because they bought him in what, 2019 for 120 yeah, million, ago, yeah. which means that they, it only further accelerated their debt that they're in. Because of that, they ended up selling Suarez to Atletico before the start of last season. Um, uh, And because of all the debt that Barcelona was in, because of how the Griezmann deal affected that, Messi was unable to stay, which means he went to PSG. And now Griezmann went on loan um, uh, for for a year. With with the $40 million buy clause. Yeah, with a $40 million option buy. Talk about bad business. Oh, that's Talk terrible. About bad fucking business. And Atletico have both Luis Suarez and Antoine Griezmann, and I think they're going to win La Liga. I, yeah, I mean, with how the two powerhouses in Barcelona and Real are actually lining up this year, I agree. Both teams, both of those two teams have really fallen from grace. Compared oh, to where yeah. I mean, clearly, me and you growing up, we recognize Barcelona and Real Madrid like, from when we were growing up. We recognize them as the powerhouses in the world. Like, it was always like, those two had the chance to go that you would have you told me at the beginning of the year that they could win the Champions League. You would have said, yeah, I could see that happening. That's no, how good yeah. they were. And now just to see how those two teams have really fallen from grace. And Atletico Madrid, like the moves that they're making to make their team better, like I don't see anyone in La Liga competing with them. No, honestly, I don't. I really don't. I mean, Atletico made good business there, bringing Griezmann back, and now you can have a front two with him and Suarez. And Barcelona are stuck with a front three that you would see, like that you expect to see, like at fucking uh, Newcastle. Right, I could fill in. Minus the pie, I could fill in in better in that front three. Um, Depay, I mean, I feel bad. Well, Depay, Depay. I feel bad for Depay, yes. I mean, I feel bad for Aguero. He went to go play with Messi, and Messi ended up leaving because of everything that's going on in Barcelona with how Aguero. terrible it is. But, huh? Fuck Aguero. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> well, I that's, me, that's me, that's me being a little biased, so. No, I'm, I'm going to be a little biased, too. Like, I hated him at Man City, but the thing is, though, is now that he's gone, I kind of feel a little bad for him. Like, he left the club, so, like, it is, it like, you know. title hopes. I don't care. He ruined my title hopes like eight years ago. We ended up winning the title in 13. You ended up winning the title in 20. So I don't think like, you know, it, ha- it, it shit, shit happens, I guess. Um, uh, but I, I get your point there. But yeah, I feel bad for the pie because like, you know, 
you know, you thought he was going to be a part of like a great front three with Messi and Griezmann, and he was going to be like there too. Yeah. And then now you see him lining up with fucking Luke De Jong and Martin Braithwaite, and it's just like, what? Yeah, I mean, uh, Liverpool two years ago tried to go after him, then something happened with his physical that we didn't want him, and now he's kind of stuck at that. Re- Barcelona have no stars on the team anymore. No, they're practically in rebuilding mode slash like joke mode. Like it's, I don't know what to classify it as, to be honest. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's really not the Barcelona we've known at all. I mean, you look at this team now, and you're not even scared to see them in Champions League. Like you look at this team, you're like okay, that could be a win. No, I mean they'll probably finish like in second in their group regardless. But the thing is, though, is they're going to get killed by Bayern Munich in both group stage games, yeah. uh, in the in the Champions League uh, group stage that they're group that they're in. Yeah, I mean, I there. Speaking of that, though, not to get off topic real fast, I just don't think there's really any group of deaths in this Champions League. To be honest, besides maybe Liverpool's group. I'll agree with you. Liverpool, Porto, AC Milan, and who's the fourth team? Atletico. Oh, Atletico, yeah. Yeah. I feel bad for Porto in a way. <laughs> yeah, they got that shit out of the draw. But um, I mean no, the I mean... thing I I mean you you said it to me like when the draw happened, like um uh, how you guys get Porto in the group like every like, other every year. Every other year we play Porto in the group stage. Well it's like us and like young boys. We have young boys again in the group. I'm like, don't we play young boys like every like three years in the Champions League group stage? <laughs> or or Oh, yeah, or Europa. Like, if we don't get them in the Champions League, we'll get them, like, in the Europa <laughs> League, which yeah. is ins- insane. But, yeah, that group there is, like, that, that group there is going to be very interesting to watch. I mean, I'm not trying – I mean, I'm not going to – I mean, I'm not trying – I'm not – this isn't bias coming out of me. You guys are going to have a tough time getting – you guys could have yeah. a tough time getting out of that group. I It's fine. I thought the same thing when I saw the draw because – Milan really came out at the end of last season. They started to show their form. I think Milan actually could win Serie A this season. Like, if they continue yeah. their form, they can win Serie we A. We really, in our group alone, well, in our group alone, we could have, we're going to have four teams that could win their league this year. Porto yeah. will clearly win their league. AC yeah, Milan have a damn good chance to win that league now that Ronaldo's gone and uh, Inter Milan just and like Inter Milan just kind of, yeah. They have a chance to win there, and then uh, Atletico. Atletico really could win that league with with Ease. what had happened with the two other superpowers in that in that league. I mean, yeah, they could win with these. And then and us, then I mean, us is uh, really, I would say, a three-horse race between United, City, and Liverpool to win this league. I'd say a four-horse race. I mean, Don't say we'll Tottenham. F- no, I was saying Chelsea. Okay, I can see Chelsea. I'm not saying Tottenham. Yeah, Tottenham. No, there's no shot Tottenham stay top of the league. If Tottenham wins the league with Nuno as manager, I'm calling uh, – Fradicio Pochettino is the biggest fraud manager of all time. If Tottenham win the Premier League, I'm saying it here first on the podcast, I will shave off my eyebrows. Marking that down. Right. You know how Ernie Johnson like has all the Chuck sticky notes like on inside the NBA. Mm-hmm. I got that down on a sticky note. It's going on the fridge. All right, Jake. <laughs> Jake will shave his eyebrows if Tottenham win the league. That is uh, how confident I am that they will not win the league. Uh, I, I, they're not winning the league. They're not really winning the league. But the thing is, though, is I do want to go into um, uh, you know, talking about all the moves and everything. Like, honestly, like I'm really surprised that like you know. 
and I and I and I know like you know you talk about like how the Fenway Sports Group is cheap towards like Liverpool over the past few seasons and everything. But I know like I'm really surprised like you guys were like really never like actually try like never made a move. You got that center back like Conate or whatever, however yeah. you pronounce who's him. A, who's our fourth string center back? He's not even a starter. They signed him to start alongside Van Dyke. What the fuck? No, he's not. Matip's been playing. Then why the fuck did you... Exactly, that's my You might as well have just kept the Turkish center back exactly. and you let go to Norwich. Exactly, that's what I'm saying, is we signed him to be our fourth center back because Joe Gomez is healthy now. Healthy now. Yeah. And so I think have... Joe Gomez, if he could stay healthy, he's Don't probably they... the best young center back in the league. Do they still have, like, that... Uh, that kid that they signed um uh, in the winter market not uh, not uh, not the turkish center back but they signed a uh, like an english yeah we just back. we just re-signed him to another contract yeah like a what for four-year deal or something yeah, like that yeah we signed him we, yeah he's, our, he's the, our fifth string center back yeah and you let the turkish center back that you got on loan go back to his parent club and now he plays for norwich on like they signed him permanently yeah that makes well, I, don't, uh, that, I don't get like uh, liverpool have the money to make moves that they wanted to but they just don't i mean Last year we signed Hota and Thiago. I mean, yes, yeah. they're quality players, but yeah. we're not breaking the bank for those players. Yeah, you're um, uh, yeah, you're uh, best Portuguese player um uh, in the Prem. T- uh, couldn't he, he didn't even play. He, uh, I, I couldn't believe he was being subbed out before halftime. Like I couldn't believe that. So, like, what do you mean he got well, subbed in at halftime? Subbed in at half. Uh, subbed in at Firmino, before Firmino, halftime. Firmino got hurt. Oh, that's what happened. Yeah, I can't get even a 90. But the thing is, though, is, like, no, you guys, like, are going to eventually have to, like, make, like, moves, like, you know, for your front three. And, like, you know, your midfield should be fine. I mean, you're the only player, in my honest opinion, you got to worry about is, like, eventually, like, when Henderson gets older. But, like, I mean, Salah and Firmino yeah. definitely aren't getting I mean, any I mean, younger. Harvey, my thing is Harvey Elliott needs to show his class more. When he plays in the Prem, he kind of looks like, especially you saw it against Chelsea this past weekend, he looks tentative to do anything. I mean, you see, everyone sees this kid as class, and he looks so tentative when he plays. Like our midfield's fine, our back four are fine. I think we really need to like kind of upgrade on our front three because you've seen, you saw it last year, and you're kind of seeing it early. You saw it against Chelsea this past weekend. Our front three isn't our front three from 2018 when we made that run to the Champions League and lost to Madrid. No, they're not. I mean, the thing they're definitely not. So. I mean, they they they're they're past the peak of their powers there. So we'll see like how they handle it, and that's that's why I mean they'll they'll challenge. But the thing is though, is they'll finish top four at best, in my honest opinion. Um, I I disagree. I still think we have a chance to win the league, but we're definitely not as like two years ago in 2019. Um, you saw like our attack, like Salah, Mane, and Firmino. What you would all at least see one of them score every single game. Yeah. Whereas this year and even last year, it looks it's just a different look. You're looking for other resources to yeah, score goals. Exactly. I agree with you there. I mean, I I see I I see that point there. I see that point there. Um. Uh, but yeah, no. I mean. I, I'm still I, I'm still baffled that Ronaldo came back. I'm really baffled. 
Um, uh, I remember like the whole process, like Thursday, last Thursday, the talk was that he was signing for city and everything. And then Friday, like Friday morning, like I'm driving through PA and Ohio and the whole, like the whole thing with city collapsed. And all of a sudden, like we had a chance and like he was offered to us. And then that's when I called you, like I was in Ohio when I called you, I'm like, it's happening. Like, I couldn't believe it was happening. Like I eventually, like me and my friend, like I, we eventually like got to like Canton. Cause that's like where, where we went pro football Hall of fame. We were eating lunch in a restaurant. Like when the official announcement was made and I'm just sitting there checking my phone and everything. And like, all of a sudden I just see it. I'm like, Oh my God, it's happening. And of course, like I can't like actually like jump up and down, like, you know, like a, like a madman because I'm in a restaurant in a different state. Like who knows if like they'll kick me out or whatever. Um, uh, so like, I, I, yeah, I was just baffled. Like, I, I'm still baffled. Like, I, you know, I didn't think like, you know, I thought I was dreaming for the most part, like in this entire scenario. But I mean, like, you know, two, yesterday, like it was confirmed in the morning that he had signed his contract. The medical was done. They had the pictures of him in the jersey. Uh, he'll come back with uh, Bruno um, uh, after the international break. So, like, you know, I mean, we'll see what happens and how much of a difference he makes uh, us as title contenders. Because, I mean, with the squad that we have, like, even before he signed, I thought maybe, like, we could contend for the title, too. Um, uh, but, I, you know, just the, the sheer presence of him, I think, like, will help us improve. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see him – I. It, this is going to sound weird to say, but I don't see him being a starter for you guys, especially bringing Sancho in. And <clears throat> I mean, well, I, unless Cavani gets healthy, he'll definitely be the starting center forward. But I mean, you got Rashford, you could have Rashford, Cavani, and Sancho, who I think would be a, enough on the top three. And I think Ronaldo, for the most part, would be like a backup for you guys. And that's just my opinion. I mean, I'm probably going to be wrong because I mean, it's Ronaldo, so he'll probably start. But I mean, we saw it at Juventus. He didn't start all the time. No, I mean, that whole Juve experiment, like, was a complete failure. I mean, we've talked about that numerous times. But I, I, I've i mentioned it. Like, I did not – even, like, last season, like, you know, like, even, like, last season as it was progressing, like, I, I, I all the talk was, like, if he leaves, like, where he'll go. And I told you numerous times, like, I don't want him coming back because I don't know where he'll – like, what will happen and, like, where he'll go, where he'll start, if he will start, what position he will play. And, like, I had all these other factors. But the thing is, though, is, like, when I saw that, like, he was coming back, I'm like, oh, shit, it's actually fucking happening. Like, I was actually, like, happy that, like – and not to sound, and you know what? I'm gonna fucking sound blasphemous here, and I do apologize. But like the prodigal, prodigal son returned home, like the prodigal son returned home, and you know, I I find this as a more shock. Like this is probably a hot take here, but I find this as a more shocking move in the transfer market than Messi going to PSG, because. I had never thought in my lifetime that someone I had like watched growing up, like, you know, for United, obviously before he went to Real Madrid and became the legend that he was there. I had never thought in my lifetime he would ever return to Manchester United. I had always thought he had moved on when he left in 2009, he had moved on. And clearly that isn't the case anymore. I mean, I, I don't think clearly United wasn't his first choice. I don't think it was until he talked to Sir Alex Ferguson, which probably changed his mind. 
because I think the reason the city transfer probably fell through was Ronaldo just probably straight up said he doesn't want to go there. That is what I would believe happened after he talked to Ferguson. But um, he, I, I wouldn't say he wanted to come back. Like, it wasn't his first choice, clearly. But, I mean, he's back, and it's fun to have him back in the Premier League for sure. I mean, he's still a top player in the world. I wouldn't call him a top two player anymore by any means. No, but I'm, the thing is, though. But, I mean, like, he's still going to help He's still gonna help United out a lot. When he, when, whenever Ronaldo comes, is on the game, he seems to score. He'll find a way to score no matter what it takes. I mean, yes, he's not messy by any means, but, I mean, he is still Cristiano Ronaldo. Exactly. But the thing is, though, is like I said, I just have never thought in my lifetime like I would see him return, which is why I find this move more shocking than Messi going to PSG there. But the thing is, though, is like we'll see what happens. I mean, we've got the international break right now. Um, United's first game um, where he will make his return will be um, September 11th, actually, at home against Newcastle at Old Trafford. So we'll see, like, you know, the reception that he'll get and we'll see, like, what happens there. Um, but the thing is, though, is like I really don't have anything else that I want to go in about. It's like, do you have any? Do you do you want to get on the soapbox uh, for with any other final thoughts, sir? Um, no, I mean we kind of really covered all the big names moved throughout the transfer window. Um, for the most, I mean, there's clearly smaller moves that people didn't really get the same. I mean, like you guys, like Daniel James went to Leeds for you guys. But yeah, we literally no, no other just really sold big him names, for a jersey number. No other big names that we didn't touch on had moved. So, uh, no, I, I think I'm good with that. I mean, it's going to be fun to see what happens. Uh, it's fun to see all these uh, new faces and new places now once the uh, once the international break is over. Uh, let's just hope to God USA can actually show something in their World Cup qualifiers. Um, now that they have, and we've got the big guns out. We've got the A team. I mean, yeah. Pulisic isn't in Pulisic isn't in El Salvador because of his COVID issues, but we've got the main squad for the most part. We should be fine. Yeah, that's my. I just hope that this squad does really deserves to make the World Cup, and I just hope there's not a blunder like what happened for the last World Cup, where that it was that goal call that actually wasn't a goal. But I mean, it is what it is. It is what it is there. It, exactly. It is what it is there. Um, uh, but, yeah, no, I have nothing else I want to say myself. So that concludes another episode of the Lonely Heart Sports Podcast. You can listen to and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your uh, podcasts, whatever podcast platform you prefer. You can also follow us on – well, you know what? Screw it. We, we keep saying the same thing. We're like a broken record at this time. But um, uh, like I said, you know, that concludes another wonderful episode. Uh, next week on the podcast, we will be previewing the NFL regular season. We'll be touching base on our team, on the teams that we support respect, respectively, uh, and just you know previewing like what we expect to, and hope from them. We'll preview the rest of the league. We'll give our division. We'll pick like division winners, wild card teams. Uh, make award, make uh, pre make uh, preseason award winning award winner picks as well regarding MVP players of the year, rookies of the year, coach of the year and everything there. Um, uh, but until that everybody just keep on keeping on.